we just get so caught up in like putting ourselves in the box, you know, like we've got to be in our diet box. We've got to be in our workout box. Like you're a CrossFit or whatever. It doesn't matter. Like do what is working for you mentally. And then if you've got specific training adaptations that you need, then let's look at that. But for most people, we just need to be more active because we're fighting to get off the couch to the starting line. Welcome to an all new season of Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Hey, Megs. Hey, I am especially excited about today's show because we have a buddy of mine on the show today, Joey Thurman. Uh, We first met back in the day. I think he like slipped into my DMs on Instagram. The next thing I know, we were having a love fest desk side at Good Housekeeping And then we rendezvoused at Live with Kelly and Ryan, where we both did some wacky fitness hacks. So really great guy. And in addition to being like a hottie dad, TV host, and a fitness and nutrition expert, Joey is the author of a brand new book called The Minimum Method, the least you can do to be a stronger, healthier, happier you. So we've asked him here today to help us all do the bare minimum, yay, (laughs) to at least stay somewhat on track this crazy holiday season. Because we all know it's easier to stay ready than to get ready. Joey is a health, fitness, and nutrition expert and a television contributor and host. He was named the best trainer in Chicago by the Chicago Sun-Times. He's appeared on Good Morning America, Live with Kelly and Ryan, The Today Show, Sherry Shepard, Tamron Hall, Watch What Happens Live, Harry Connick Jr., and many, many more. He's a TEDx speaker, and his work has been featured in publications such as Men's Health, Pop Sugar, U.S. News and World Report, People Magazine, Shape, and many, many more. Joey knows firsthand the challenges and rewards of balancing multiple priorities, from getting a movie star camera ready in record time to empowering a working mom to feel confident and strong. Joey has the knowledge and skill to help you reach your goals. Listen to this show if you're looking for some quick and easy ways to get on track or get back on track this holiday season, you want to discover the secrets to increasing confidence and happiness through better health, you want to know about the minimum method and how you can use its less is more principles to be a stronger you. Welcome, Joey. We are so excited to have you here. So Joey, you're already, of course, a friend of the show. I've This is Jamie speaking. I've worked with you as a fitness influencer in the past. When I first left corporate, left PR, I was kind of like treading the space between I was an influencer myself, but I couldn't let go of being a marketing expert. So I was like also a consultant on influencer campaigns. So we were kind of like showing up at events together, but then I would like hire you on campaigns that I was kind of stewarding and it was lots of fun. And I've always known you to be nothing but uh, a delight. And then I know you and Megan go way back, right, Megs? Yeah. I mean, we so we first met when I was at Good Housekeeping, I think, uh, like a little love fest in the office at a desk side. And and then we're both, you know, like the uh, go-to for Live with Kelly and Ryan when you need a wacky workout, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, actually, my, when my first book came out, I don't know what if I stalked you on LinkedIn or I don't know what happened. Yeah, I forget how I meet people. And I just, you were fortunate enough just to say, hey, come on in and let's have a conversation. And like good housekeeping didn't even happen, you know, for me, which was like not even really the intent. I just wanted to meet you. And we started, we did a bunch of workouts together and yeah, you beat me up and I we think did a little gained, SLT. Yeah, yeah, you gained too much yeah. pleasure out of watching, you know, this <laughs> hockey player with this big hockey butt trying to see if I can do the full splits. But it's fun and entertaining and I appreciate the both of you. Yeah. Well, I kind of think that's like the whole reason why, in my humble opinion, you're like 
not only a fitness expert who breaks boundaries, but you're just kind of inherently likable. Like people just come to you because you, you toe that line between being like a hardcore fitness expert, but also relatable, right? So I'm, I'm just curious before we get into our 12 tips of fitness, can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in the space and also what was the tipping point that took you from being a fitness enthusiast yourself to somebody who really wanted to help and inspire others? Yeah. I mean, I always, you know, it was playing sports growing up, all sorts of stuff. I played uh, soccer and hockey through high school and, and uh, college hockey. Uh, these teeth are real. Yes. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I was, I was into fitness, you know, instead of fit fitness pizza in my mouth, I was always into it. And really my senior year of college at Southern Illinois, Edwardsville, back then 2005, 2006 to age myself here, there wasn't exercise science. There really wasn't much. And if you got a degree with kinesiology and just became like a gym teacher, you know? So I was like, okay, well, I wanted to kind of do something else. And personal training was in its infancy back then. And I met a physiology professor. He's like, oh, we're doing this personal training program. I think you'd be great with it. So I did an understudy program with him, did not take my LSAT, picked up my yellow Mustang convertible and drove to Chicago and started working at Crunch Fitness for a couple months. And uh, a gym called David Barton you know, after that, and just sort of started getting my feet wet. And I knew that I knew how to work out, but I didn't know how to train, which is a big thing. You get certified as a personal trainer, but they don't really teach you how to train people, how to run the session, how to deal with people that are stressed out, how to deal with questions or they're crying or all these sorts of things. So you sort of had to become a therapist. And I was diagnosed with clinical depression at 14. So I'm like, okay, let me use all these things that my ther multiple therapists have told me and sort of kind of figured it out that way. And I become like, more intuitive with individuals. So I would say it's like contextually based and every body BODY is completely different. And just started doing that and got certified in nutrition and a bunch of other certifications and met lovely individuals such as yourselves and started training, you know, local celebrities, then worldwide known celebrities and wrote my first book, which is kind of how I met Megan and went from there. Well, and as a fellow author, Joey, I have to say, I'm excited about your new book. I think it's pretty freaking genius. We've been hearing so much about it. And you've been doing the talk show circuit. You were um, on, what was it? You were, you were including a handsome guest bartending role on <laughs> and Watch What Happens Live. Yes. Okay. That was a few uh -huh. weeks ago. So, so tell yeah. us about this. I think this is a really genius, I don't want to say gimmick, but genius mm -hmm. hook because this is what I need right now. And I think everybody needs the minimum method. Tell us about it. How does this challenge the traditional approach to health and fitness? Yeah. Well, for example, I think there's exertainment. There's working out. And a lot of these classes are exertainment classes. Let's just be real. You want to be entertained. You want bright lights. You want pumping music. You want to feel like you got your butt kicked. But then they extrapolate science and take a Tabata workout and make it an hour long. Now, Tabata was only supposed to be eight minutes long. You shouldn't do 20 seconds of work and 10 seconds off for an entire hour. I'm sorry. That's just asinine. You should not do that. That's too much for everybody, even a professional athlete. So we take these things, we sort of bastardize them a little bit. Now, I love taking all these classes and berries and orange theory and all this sort of stuff. It's entertaining, but you would never see somebody training for the Tour de France going to a soul cycle class or taking a Peloton, right? Because it's not for your body. You're training different energy systems, but you need to be aware of that. I'm not knocking them by any means, but it's not for your specific body. And yet an athlete would never do that. And speaking of athletes, why don't we treat ourselves like athletes? They have bye weeks, they have off days, they have recovery days. But we're taught just to go, 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 go and sweating for a sweating purpose and do leg days to the point where you can, can't sit down and take a crap. But actually, soreness isn't directly uh, uh, equivalent to muscle tissue growth. It's not a th You don't have to have that. But novelty creates that. So when you do a new workout, you feel sore because it's new, not because it's better for you. So I'm taking all of these things and all these questions that people have and looking at it and say, okay, 
What does the research say? What is the minimum you need to do? Because you don't want your body to adapt too fast. Adaptation is the point when you need to add more. So if you haven't worked out, so, you know, in 30 years since high school football, why would you be doing your five day a week high, high school football split when one or two days of resistance training can continually get you results until the point you start plateauing? Then you need to add more volume, more load, pull another ace out of your sleeve, and then add an extra day a week. When you adapt so fast, then that's when you plateau and be like, oh my God, what happened? That's why you see great results when you're doing one of these classes for six weeks, the first six weeks, and then your body starts to adapt and you need more and more and more or cut more calories or, you know, and then your body is systemically stressed because it's too much for you too fast. So sometimes the minimum can get you the maximum instead of the maximum effort. You're speaking our language right now. I think Megan and I are both in a place. Megan obviously has been recovering from some major surgeries and is kind of getting her body back into a place where she's getting back into fitness. I, to be quite honest, and I've been sharing about this on Instagram, have just gone through a little bit of a lull lately. I've been so hyper-focused on work that I've been doing the exact opposite of what I would tell my clients to do, which is to prioritize their health and wellness and like make time for what you need to do. But you know why? Because I'm one of those people who have internalized if I can't make an hour for it, I'm just going to skip it. And I think what you're saying is maybe that doesn't have to be the case. Yeah. And who came up with this number that we need to get an hour in a workout? How, how many bros do you see at the gym doing, you know, 10 sets of bench press and they're in there for an hour and a half? Like, oh, bro, you know, I just worked out for an hour and a half. But you were playing, you were playing on Instagram, maybe checking out Joey Thurman Fit, shameless plug. I uh, like the whole time. Like you were doing you were you were doing that. So maybe yes, if you took two or three minutes in between, you're just trying to get as strong as possible. Those two to three minutes is great for ATP recovery and uh, muscle tissue recovery, right? That sure. But that's what they're not doing. They spend an hour and a half. And for some reason, taking this, you know, hour, hour and a half and saying you got a good workout in. No, you don't need to do that. Like you can do uh, Sesame Street math here. 20 plus 20 plus 20 equals an hour. So why couldn't you do a 20 minute, you know, walk in the morning, 20 minutes of biceps and arms during a lunch break? You know, Megan, while you're sitting there, you could be doing squats, something like that, because like, you probably don't want to be doing upper body. I don't know you know, what the recovery is. And then later on at night, maybe you could take another walk. That's an hour there. We think if we can't get an hour in the gym or outside or doing whatever, it's not efficient. That's crazy and that's asinine to think. And if you don't finish your full body workout, for example, which I recommend most people do for the most part, if you don't, if you don't finish you know, your five sets of legs that morning, why can't you finish it later on in the night? Why can't you finish it the next day? If you're stressed out, how about you don't work out? You focus on working in on yourself. You journal, you take care of yourself. No, you don't do the carton of Haagen-Dazs, but I did that with my client, Rachel Brooksmith, the actress and bring it on and a bunch of stuff. She was bleeding heavily during her cycle. And I can talk about this. She's in the book. And she's like, you, you, you program sprints for me and all these sorts of things today. And a two a day, I said, here's the thing. Don't work out, work in on yourself, journal, take care of you, take care of the inside, which will take care of the outside three days from now. Cause your, your movie's in two months. It's fine. Take that time off for you and make up for it if you want to later on in the week. But give yourself that grace. Give yourself just the confidence to realize like, oh, th this is not it. And she called me a couple of days later. She said, Nobody has ever told me that. I've trained with all these Hollywood trainers. And I was training her you know, during COVID virtually. She's like, that helped me feel so much better mentally and physically because physiology and psychology, they're one and the same. So we don't need to do so much. Now you're getting ready for a fight. You're a UFC fighter. Yeah, you got to get your fight days in. You've got to get all those things. You can't miss those things. But most people aren't getting in the ring. You know, we just need to make sure that we, we make our training fit our life, not our life fit our training. 
Mm-hmm. I have to say, I love that. Though, too, a lot of it is that mental component of like, I want to be with the lights and the disco balls and all the people because mentally I crave the social aspect of fitness more than anything. Mm-hmm. Like in my recovery sideline for six to eight weeks, like I just found mentally I miss people. I miss going somewhere with other people and being accountable to each other and maybe sweating, maybe not, but like maybe the music's pumping, maybe it's not, but I just need people so badly, so desperately. And I've, I've had to treat myself with grace and, and show up where the people are in any way I can. Yeah. And for you, like I would never tell, like say somebody wants to put on as much muscle as possible, but they love doing outdoor running, long runs, where that could be counterintuitive for the results. But if it helps them mentally, who am I to say, don't do that? And for you, Megan, like, yeah, you need to be around people. And uh, being around people is that connection, that meaningfulness connection. There's something in the book I, I write about called the four M's of mental health that Dr. Suvarma put a quote in there for. And, and one of those things is meaningful connection. So you can't discount that. So like, oh, Joey said, like, oh, it's entertainment, whatever. But that's good for your, it's good for your body but it's also good for your mind. So taking care of your mind is going to take care of that. So for you, you know, contextually, you need to be around people. You, you need to see them. You need to smell them. Like all these things that affect you. All, all of your senses are involved. And, and, and it's a party. It's a party for the body. It's a party for the mind. So for you, yes, you have to do that. And like we just get so caught up in like putting ourselves in the box. You know, like we've got to be in our diet box. We've got to be in our workout box. Like you're a CrossFit or whatever. It doesn't matter. Like do what is working for you mentally. And then if you've got specific training adaptations that you need, then let's look at that. But for most people, we just need to be more active because we're fighting to get off the couch to the starting line. You're not already in that race to the finish line. Write every chapter of your life. And this is a book that never ends. Oh, so powerful. All right. Well, let's get into the meat of things, no pun intended, because I know a lot of our listeners are feeling the same way we are right now. December just kicks our butts When it comes to sticking to our health goals, I'm hearing it from people all over the place. So Joey, we need your help. Today's show focus is the 12 tips for fitness, and it's going to maybe help people stay a little bit on track. So you don't have to start over in January. We all know the statistics on New Year's resolutions. They tend to, it's just easier to stay ready than to get ready, right? To like start over in January. And that's a very nice thing to tell yourself, but who really wants to have to climb that mountain? You know, stay a little bit ready throughout December. It'll also keep your immune system up and all the things we need as all this crazy shit's going around. And as moms, we can tell you a lot of crazy shit's going around. So since your book is really based on helping people approach fitness in these small snackable ways, we wanted to kind of have you help us break it down. So we, we sectioned this out into three sections, okay? So Megan's going to take fitness, then I'm going to take nutrition, and then Megan's going to take self-care. And we have four questions in each section, kind of lightning round style. Are you ready, Joey? Hang on, let me stretch it out. You okay, were we're born gonna go. Ready, Joe, that's the I, answer. You were I, born I, I am, ready. I am Damn born it. ready, Megan Murphy. Okay. <laughs> All right. So first up is fitness with double X clams. The holiday season can get so hectic that it can be tough to find time for a full workout. But that's where exercise snacks, and my nickname is Snacks. I love a snack. <laughs> that's where snacks come in. I was really intrigued by this concept that you mentioned in your book. Can you explain what they are and how they can be easily integrated into your busy holiday schedule? Yeah, exercise snacking to the point of not needing an hour. There's literally research on a seven-minute workout with a one-minute cool down, an intense workout, and intensity is relative for the both of you. So for somebody running up a hill, that may be intense for you too. 
may be easy. So you might need a little more intensity, a little more speed. So if you do six minutes of work, that could be squats, push-ups, sprints, anything like that, that feels intense to you where you can't have a conversation with somebody. So you're probably getting towards that VO2 max. We don't need to get in that, just more oxygen. Six minutes of hard work, you know, for, for the duration, if you can, but you can take 10 second breathers. You can go through with a one minute cool down, which you can just do some breathing. You can lay down anything like that will cool you down. That right there will limit uh, 24 hour uh, glucose elevations for 24 hours. And then that food that you intake, there's something called the GLUT4 transmitter within the muscle cell. So it opens up and everybody heard like, oh, carbs are good after workout and bodybuilders. Same concept. So that food that you intake after your exercise snack. So try to do this before uh, a meal. It doesn't need to be like right before you take that first bite. Six minute hard workout, whatever that is. And I've got examples in the book and a one minute cool down and then have your meal. So all those carbohydrates, even if it's your like bad meal or your cheat meal or whatever it is, like the pie, that's more likely to kind of go, go into the muscle cells and that insulin sen sensitivity is elevated. That's a good thing. Into the muscle cells to help you recover to bring down that stressful cortisol response, which is a good thing during your workout. And so that food is going to be more likely used to repair and to grow tissue as opposed to being stored as fat. And snacking is just short bursts of energy or even like a 10 minute walk after a meal. That's a prokinetic helps digest your food. Really simple things, exercise snacking. So have a few exercise snacks a day. I love that. I've actually done it and it's very effective, but I do think the key, Joey, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that there has to be some serious effort in that six minutes. Like if you're walking, you're pumping your arms, you're breathless, you're not also having a conversation on the phone, right? Like you're working, whatever that means for you. Yeah, exactly. If we're looking at that research, yes, that's intensity based. So to the point, you know, as I said, where if it's walking on a treadmill and an incline is hard for you without holding on, preferably, that's hard for you. Great. That's intense for you. Megan, that might be easy for you. Jamie, that might be easy for you. So we do that. So something that's hard, yes, you can't hold a conversation. You could do 20 squats. Take a 20-second breather. If you're still breathing hard, you go, your heart rate's still elevated. Do 20 more squats. You could literally do that, just real simple. And then afterwards, we do like the light snacking where you can do the walking and stuff like that, which really helps with digestion. And that's, that's fine for heart rate. That's even like a moderate pace of 1,500 to 1,600 steps within 10 to 15 minutes. Love it. All right. You also talk about recovery in the book and how important that is. And sadly, that doesn't mean lying on your butt <laughs> um, all day during, like I call it the the holidays, that like really lazy time after holiday, Christmas and New Year. But recovery techniques, can you tell us like what we should be doing in terms of working in versus working out in terms of recovery? Yeah. So there's a bunch of different things that we can do, but the easiest thing when somebody is working out, how many times do you see somebody get done with like a workout class or something and they go and chug their 1000 calorie, $15 smoothie? Like, wait a minute, you'd burn 500 calories, but you're taking in a thousand. I digress. Uh, <laughs> but th think about that. You just, you do your 55 minute workout, however long it is, just lay down, put your feet up. That's going to have that blood return back to your heart. And then you just lay down and you just focus on your breath. So this could be box breathing. This could be a physiological sigh, which is a two inhalation through your nose. <laughs> and a slower exhalation through your mouth, right there. That is one of the best ways to recover your nervous system from sympathetic, which is, you know, fight or flight, to parasympathetic, rest, recover, di digest. So if you're having that smoothie afterwards, you're in a state for digestion recovery, just five minutes. So you can even, you could focus on, you know, four seconds in, seven second hold, eight second out. But really the thing you want to do is a longer exhale 
to a shorter inhale, preferably in through your nose, more oxygen, 20% more oxygen. Why is that making you cough? I keep doing it now. I got a little tickle. Yeah, you you might be (laughs) slightly congested. You got kids, so maybe you got a little something there, but that could be doing it. But 478, 444, anything like that, or just lay down and focus on your breath. You know, don't have crazy music on, maybe turn on something light, something that's calming for you. Close your eyes. If you're in a gym, fine, go find a corner and just put your feet up for a few minutes and just slow yourself down. That right there is recovery because we're, we're, we're sympathetically dominated so much because we're so stressful. Just take that two to four minutes after your workout just to slow down. And then we can go with sleep and different things like that and foam rolling and percussion. All that sort of stuff helps. So if you're a yogi, maybe you get into like just a nice, easy yoga pose or a stretch, and then you focus on your breath. And then you close your eyes, right? See, what we're doing is we're stacking here. We're not doing this all at once. So it's like laying down for a couple minutes for the first week or two. And like, oh, let me add a stretch in. Maybe my... Uh, my hip flexor side, I'm stretching that out. I'm doing that. I turn off the music. I think about what's happening. I think about, I visualize my day, all the good things in my life right now, because we can have bad days, but let's choose to pick those good moments in those bad days. So you can do that as part of your recovery. And all of these things really help. And then of course, then we think nutrition and we get down that line and we can focus on, you know, synergistic dominant muscles that are shorter and tighter and longer. And like, we don't need to get into that. Literally, is this a good way to wake up though? Like, you know, you get that like achy morning, like Mm -hmm. I wake up and I feel like ass. Is that breathing good for (laughs) achy joints, or is there something else we should be doing to get that blood pumping in the morning and like really starting the day with a bam? Yes, uh, I I like the bam. Is that emerald that is bam? Bam, Um, it is, and I don't cook, so I shouldn't uh, say. (laughs) So, yes, you can do that. So, you, you can if you wake up and you're stressed out. Like if you get jolted awake during your alarm, that's probably means you're like in your, in your REM sleep and you're deeper sleep and you're not in that lighter state of sleep. So you wake up, you're jolted, like we're stressed out. So you can just focus on that breath work right there and then visualize. So MVP in the morning. So um, think about being mindful where you're at in your setting. Uh, visualize where you want to be in that day. And then P is your perception. Think, just think about the perception and what you're doing. So you do that and you can even just do some like, uh, so FRC techniques is functional range conditioning. Just think about like, you know, like those swimmers that you kind of do where you're opening up people who can't see me right now, but like you're doing that where you're just moving your joints. You do some light squats, getting blood flow to the tissues, to the joints is really going to help. You ever step out of bed and you feel like you're just kind of like in sand. That's called autogenic inhibition for your muscle tissues because they've been lengthened. Like you might've been sleeping in a stretch position. So they need to activate. You could even be laying in bed, do some glute bridges, get your glutes going. Right there, that'll turn them on. I would love that if he woke up and I'm just sitting there doing like pelvic glute like thrusts. <laughs> well, right? I mean, you, you guys may have another child, you never know. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I had to. It's right there. It was on a T. I hit it. But doing some glute bridges, maybe doing a little plank, something like that, or just some light stretching can really help blood flow. And do it while you're in bed, you know, or get off the bed, or like twist your ankles, like do a, a 360, like 10 reps one way, 10 reps the other way. Uh, without hitting the ground and then just kind of walk around, do some squats, do some push-ups. Just a few of them is enough to get that going. But yeah, these simple things really don't take that much effort. Joy, what if we're traveling? And I'm going to say maybe the six minute, one minute is a great thing to take on mm-hmm. the road. But like, what are we doing? How do we stay on track if we're we're hitting the road for the holidays? Yeah, realize you are not going to get your best body when you're traveling. And right now, we, with that, right there, we need to recognize that. You're not like you're a bodybuilder. You're not going to get jacked while traveling when you've got all these things going on. Maybe like actually, I, went, I was in St. Louis doing some TV at my mom's house, and I went to this place called House of Pain. That was like it was like a meat, meathead's wet dream. It was kind of funny. It was like <laughs> 500 pieces of cut. So I got a four day gym pass because I could because I had the time to do so. But you know, for me, that worked because I could get that in. But for most people, like you can bring some bands, you can do anything. Your own, your own body 
you know, is some resistance. So yes, when you're traveling, like the, one of the best things I can mention this briefly earlier is just to take that 10 minute walk outside after your meal. You can wait 10 or 15 minutes and that's a prokinetic helps digestion, helps gut health, helps bring down, you know, any insulin spike if you had a bad meal. And if you're going, if you're somewhere cold, try to do this and not layer up as much as possible because when it's cold outside and you wear, wear your, you know, your cover your ears and cover your hands. But if you could wear just like a t-shirt, something like that, where your core is more exposed, as I say, um, gloves and hat before sweater will make you look better. So walk outside in the cold for 10 minutes, that shiver, embrace it. That is your core temperature trying to rise, which what is a metabolic. Mary, though? Should I, should I bring the bloody Mary out? I mean, you can, you can, you could have the tomato school? juice. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> get rid of the, well, you could, I mean that like, I mean, you know, Megan rock on, oh, uh, you could do that. Hey, this is uh, rocking my world though. This is yeah. so interesting. But, I never thought about this. Yeah. Get that little shiver 10 minutes afterwards. And if even better, if you're in knee health, walk backwards. That helps your VMO. So you're the crazy yeah. person, you know, in, in the suburbs. My buddy, Ben Patrick, knees over toes guy, uh, gave me that tip. Um, you know, when we think about athletic training, you're always going like angles and backwards. And, but we, we don't do that when we're training anymore. So it, good tip there in your training program, just practice all angles. So backwards in the cold, you know, one time a day, you know, three times a day. If you're driving, this is what I do. When the sun's coming up, I want to regulate my circadian rhythm. I roll down the window because that window is going to block some of those rays. And it's cold outside. I'm driving downtown Chicago. I consult at this gym called Mode in the West Loop. I roll down my windows. I don't turn on the heat. I let myself shiver. I let that sun come in through my periphery, which triggers my body and my circadian rhythm to wake up. And I'm getting a little shiver and I'm waking up right there. It's better than a cup of coffee. I still love coffee just for, you know, just that burns it. the brown fat but, too, right? That's yeah, how you... brown fat and helps beige fat. Yeah, you're right yeah. on. Oh, I know. But these little things. That's so smart. I think I make myself too comfortable. I got to get a little yeah. uncomfortable. Yes. Like that's seriously. I sit in the in the car with the heat on. <laughs> I'm so comfy. I'm listening to my little podcast, and it's like, yeah, man. Like especially when you're waking up, right? Yeah. Like pay a little more attention to the stretches you're doing, your circadian rhythm, how you're clicking it on and what you're doing to wake up your body. Yeah. Try to stress yourself. It's called hormesis. My buddy David Sinclair termed that alone, uh, you know, several years ago when he wrote Lifespan. So just get a little uncomfortable. So doing the hard things in life often will make life easy. Not saying life always has to be hard because some of the easy things, you know, Megan laying with your kids, hugging them, that's easy and that's wonderful. That helps you feel so much better. Jamie, I know you get that. When I lay with my son, you know, he's almost five now. And, you know, my wife gets most of the cuddles because I get it. Like moms are better than me, but, um, and just that feels so much. So that's easy. So we always have like go, go, go mentality. Everything's got to be hard. And yes, do, do the, do the hard things in life. So life is easy. It's a great quote. That's good for exercise. It's good for, you know, temperature and metabolism, but sometimes easy things are good. So focus on that and really try to push yourself a little bit. Same thing with neuroplasticity in the brain you know, learning a new language, doing an instrument, something like that. It's hard for your brain, but once you kind of push back, push through that hard part, that helps you learn better and become more resilient. I love that. So, okay, I'm moving us on into nutrition. And just to make sure that we're saving a little time, I'm going to kind of combine question one and two. Yep. I got four for you. Sure. The first question was like, obviously we hear everybody talking about, oh man, it's like eggnog and cookies. It's the holiday season. So I want to ask if you have any tips on how we can kind of enjoy maybe delicious holiday treats without going overboard. My second question kind of is, could be a similar answer. I, I know that I read in your book, you mentioned nourishing yourself with 10 servings of vegetables a day, but with all the rich holiday meals, it's very tough 
to fit them in. So I'm wondering, you know, if you have any tips on, on maybe eating a little better and avoiding some of the pitfalls, but also how can we sneak in some extra servings of produce during the holidays? Yeah. So, I mean, smoothies are one of the easiest things that you can do when you're getting that in. Cause I, I started not having any, any fruits or vegetables until I was 25 years old. No joke. I, everything was beige and fried and grew up in Southern Missouri. So that's just what we did. Uh, but I started doing smoothies with spinach and kale and threw a banana in there and some protein powder because that cuts through it. So I started doing it that way. Then my palate started changing. My microbiome started changing. That's a great way to do it. Like add, it, add different seasonings. What we do with my son is if, we, if, you're, if you're a meat eater, we'll take ground turkey and my, uh, my mother-in-law's Greek ground turkey with some red sauce and she'll puree some kale and spinach and put it in the sauce. So he has no idea that's in there. He actually loves eating that on its own now, but that's a good way to kind of sneak that in, especially if you've got family members that don't have that or, you know, pureed carrots. Carrots have add a lot of flavor to things. That's a great way to do it. Air frying any vegetable for, especially for kids. Like I could air fry any vegetable on the planet and they just think it's French fries. Mm-hmm. Air frying is amazing because we want that texture and that mouthfeel. The crisp. That helps that, yes, the, the crispiness. And, and even it's one of those things where, if, if you have a bad food, let's say you're having ice cream, like quote unquote bad food, because I can make an argument for you know either way, add some blueberries to it, add some apples to it, something. So you're still having the ice cream, but you're adding some, you know, nature's candy fruit to it. So you're getting some more antioxidants because, you know, calories determine your weight, macronutrients determine how you feel and micronutrients, uh, sorry, cal- macronutrients determine how you feel and micronutrients determine how, how you're feeling there. So those macros are the proteins, carbs, and fats. How are you looking? Micronutrients, how you're feeling, antioxidant production, and overall calories is based off of how, where your body weight is going to be at. So adding those good things in there is really going to help you. And it doesn't seem like you're depriving yourself of anything. Having more fiber, eating more whole foods has been proven. Even if you're having a standard American diet, which I say instead of sad, let's do salivate and digest instead of standard American diet. Slow down, have that food. Having more whole foods will naturally have you eat 500 less calories a day without counting because you're full, you're satiated, you're having more fiber, you're having more protein, which is the number one satiation, you know, macronutrient around. All these things matter. And then you can still have your, you know, cake and eat it too. Amen. Oh my gosh. I love that tip. So I'm loving the gut health tips in your book. You know, obviously it's like a buzzword, but for a really good reason, we talk a lot about gut health on this show. And it's an important topic, especially around the holiday season, because I feel like our digestion can really take a hit with all the rich and indulgent foods. So are there there any specific tips around gut health that can maybe keep our tummies happy and healthy? And then also, of course, everything else that our gut affects, like our mood. Yeah. So like we're more bacteria than anything, which is kind of funny. But yeah, gut health and microbiome is still kind of in its infancy. So it's still like we're, we're learning about it, but we still don't really know. Um, and to the point where when people like taking all these probiotics, but probiotics are not as effective based off the research if you're not having enough prebiotics, which is fiber. So have more fibrous foods, which is directly going to help your gut health. And in there, I talk about when you go shopping, try to do um, like a cycle your vegetables and your produce when you go shopping. So each time people do the same thing. I eat all spinach as my greens. I eat kale as my greens. Each time try to have something new. If you can go to a farmer's market, if it's that time of year, that's even better. Try something new. That'll help that gut microbiome diversity. And a lot of people know things that directly uh, hurt their gut. Like for me, it's fart bars, which what are fart bars? That's like generally a protein bar with like sugar, alcohols and things like that. One, I can probably be okay. But a lot of these have 15, 20 grams of sugar, alcohols, and it just wrecks me if I have a couple of them. So try to avoid those things when you know, like, oh, I have that. And all of a sudden, I feel like I'm crapping my pants or I'm, you know, farting everybody out of the room. So be aware of that. Some inflammatory foods and natural things that people are aware of. I have something in the book called the uh, 
belly bounce back, you know, which is an elimination diet, which maybe you try that after the holidays. But, you know, just think about that. Those foods add more fiber. It's going to be like one of the best overall nutrition tips, you know, mm-hmm. overall, and that's going to help your gut health. And then digesting your food, sit down and people throw around like mindful eating, which I think sometimes people get too confused about that. Like if you can cook your food, amazing. You're cooking it, you're smelling it, naturally you're salivating. So we're producing amylase and lipase, amylase for carbohydrates, lipase for breaking down fats. We're producing that in our saliva. So if you're cooking it, you're smelling it right there. That's great for digestion. Sit down with your family. Like if you're religious, pray. Praying right there is bringing you down to more parasympathetic. Or just thanking me. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Jamie, for cooking this food for me. For me. Thank you, mom. Thank you, dad. Being thankful and enjoying that right there, that can be mindful that helps the digestive juices quite literally help start to pop up for lack of a better word there. And in turn, people who eat fast and they're distracted eat 10 to 50% more calories because you're not aware of that. So being mindful without having to go into like what all that means and doing all these steps, sit down, be thankful for your food, cook your food, smell your food, just tell your loved ones that you're thankful for them. That is enough right there just to help slow you down and chew your food until it's kind of like baby food. Those are a lot of really good information. I just want to thank you for that answer. That was like really, really helpful, especially for me, because I can just be a hundred different places when I'm eating. So great reminder. And I love the idea of praying, you know, whether you're religious or not, just like, just like a little little moment, a little beat, right? I love that. So on that note, actually, as we think about sitting down with our kids and our families, between the three of us co-hosts that are typically on the show, running the show today, it's just me and Megan, we have eight kids between us. So we're always super cognizant about balancing the message that we send to our kids about food and eating and holiday weight gain. And like, we don't want to demonize indulging a little bit. We don't want to make them, we certainly don't want to transmit the wrong message, but we want to set a good example. So as a dad, Joey, I'm wondering, have you given this concept a lot of thought? And I'd love to hear your thinking. Massive, massive thought. So my wife was a high school science teacher, um, turned full-time model, turned mom, most important job in the world. And even before my son was born, we didn't know, you know, if it's going to be a boy or a girl. Before he was born, we had this conversation like, when I get ready for a photo shoot, when I'm doing TV, I'll drop five to 10 pounds of water weight, by the way. It's not actual fat for the most part. I'm very aware of, I say, hey, Frederick, I'm going to go for a run today because I want to be healthy for you. Oh, I already ate that. I'm watching, you know, I'm, I'm eating my nutrition because I, I want to be healthy for you. I want to live longer for you. Mom and dad are going to go work out now because don't you want us to be there to, for us to be strong? Yes, dad. Yes, mama. So n- never saying I'm, I need to lose weight or any, I'm so aware of that. And I know it's a little more difficult for females who are being completely stereotypical here, but for him, like I have body dys- dysmorphia. You guys know I was diagnosed with clinical depression at 14. I always see myself as that skinny gumby kid in the mirror and I'm six three two ten in single digit body fat. Like I put on so much muscle, you know, through the pandemic and I look better than I did when I was 20 years old, but I still see myself that way. So I'm aware my language affects my child, affects everybody else around me. So I'm so aware of that. And I think that if we set our children up for that, maybe we'll be much better off because the the one thing you can do is have them be aware of their emotions. It's okay. You get angry. It's okay. You get mad. It's okay. You get sad. It's not okay to hit. It's not okay to do X, Y, and Z. So understanding them, owning them, own, owning every single emotion, love that you have hate, love that you get angry, love that you love, but be aware of those emotions. Don't overreact. And when you do, let's learn from that. I think it's interesting too, because I have a 12-year-old girl and a 10-year-old boy and a nine-year-old boy. And I always thought it would just be my daughter who I would have to really worry about on this front. And 
you know, after a doctor's appointment where the pediatrician made a comment about my son's BMI, which just pisses me off because BMI is such bullshit. And there's actually new guidelines today changing BMI regulations. But I have, my son is now, he's like, I only want soup for dinner. Mm. And I'm like, wait, 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 how did you get in your brain that soup is what? So like mm-hmm. he's struggling after a comment from a pediatrician and it's crushing my soul because I never thought I would also have to to fight these demons with boys. Yeah, and and that's really frustrating because BMI, I'm overweight. I'm almost obese. If we just right. go with that, so BMI was developed for you know insurance companies to look at and just do this calculation for your average individual who doesn't work out, doesn't move, doesn't have any muscle tissue. I would love them to start going by body fat. That would be great if we could actually do that. And now there's so many devices that we don't need. Like we could do it. You know, we could you could get a DEXA scan. You could do the M body. There's like you don't biological need to get submerged in the swimming yeah. pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't need to do that, and it only takes a few minutes. So if we started doing that and looking at that, like, oh, you've got 30% body fat and you're a 10 year old. Okay. Like let's address that. No, my boys are athletes and that's why they're, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, and, and I feel for you on that. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. And, you know, they're, they're just seeing people going in and out and they're just trying to spit out these numbers. And I think sometimes, you know, the education needs to be there for the experts too. You know, a a little bit like, Hey, okay, hey doc, let's, let's be, look at the child. And like, he's, you know, if he's anything like you, like he's, looks like an athlete. So like, wait a minute. Okay. The BMI says he's overweight, but let, let me look at this kid contextually. Like it's, it doesn't make sense. It's like looking at one blood marker only and not looking at different ranges or free testosterone or overall testosterone and estrogen levels. There's so many things that affect that. We really need to be aware of how our words affect our children's minds, you know, men, women, anything. Leading by good example. It's so important and how we talk yep. about our bodies and food. Yeah. Megan, you want oh, to bring us home yay. with self-care? Okay, so section three is self-care. And I'm always on the lookout for ways to improve not really my sleep, but my husband's sleep and my children's sleep because I sleep like a log. Sleeping is my superpower. But everybody wants to be well-rested, especially during this time of year to enjoy all the festivities. So you have some great tips in your book. um, And I was really intrigued by your focus on what you call sleep hygiene hacks. So can you give us some of those hacks? And don't make Kelly Ripa say the word, right? <laughs> he hates it. He really <laughs> I'll have to tell her when I go on. I think I'm going back on in January, hopefully. Yeah, uh, Kelly, yeah, if you're listening, can I January. bring back on? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I said I sent Ed a book, but um, he's my guy. But So sleep hygiene. Uh, we have hygiene for everything else. That's, that's just an e- easy way to put it is, one, uh, there, there's something called sleep revenge. And we all do this, especially as your parents. You know, we're working, we do all this sort of stuff. I need to have my time at night. I need to watch my Netflix. So let me delay my sleep for an hour or two because I need to binge that show. Okay, so I'll sleep when I'm dead. Well, you, not sleeping while you're alive will kill you faster. And I have that quote in the book. So let's think about trying to go to bed at the same time every night and trying to wake up around the same time every day. That'll regulate your circadian rhythm. That is huge. Within about an hour is fine, okay? On the weekends, you know, you go to bed at 10, Monday through Friday, fine. Go to bed at 11, you'll probably be okay. So just that consistency in time is gonna help there. Making your environment as close to you know, the rising sun and setting sun as much as possible. Overhead lights. Try not to have them within a, a few hours of going to bed because that overhead is stimulating and um, you know, mimicking the sun. So when it's elevated, it's limiting melatonin production. And melatonin is not just something you take from a, a, a box or a container, people. It's actually a thing in our body. And adenosine, which works in, in conjunction with melatonin. So like when you have caffeine and you get that flush afterwards, like of being tired, that's an adenosine flush. It's limiting the adenosine receptors. Okay, so caffeine, try to stay off that, you know, by 
noon, if you will, uh, females metabolize caffeine slower. Turn down the overhead lights. If you can do like, if you can do candles or something like low level candles or those electric ones, that's great. Put on blue light blocking glasses the last couple hours of night, because I, I'm aware that people are probably not going to stay off the screen an hour or two before. But if you're wearing the blue light blocking glasses, if your environment is darker like a cave, and if you turn down your thermostat to anywhere from 64 to 68 degrees, 65 being the sweet spot, that will cool down your core temperature more. That'll help you sleep better. That'll also help more brown adipose fat tissue and base tissue accumulate, burn more white fat, and even taking a hot shower at night or a bath because the heat to your skin will tell your body to cool down faster, which will calm you down faster. Often the other way around, if you took a cold shower or like cryotherapy or something later at night, then your body right there is actually going to wake up. So hot shower, Epsom salt bath, lavender, things like that. There's um, uh, GABA, melatonin, try not to take that unless you can, but three milligrams is all you need. And a lot of those melatonin products have way too many about an hour before bed, because that three milligrams is spiking in your bloodstream about an hour beforehand. Uh, magnesium, about 70% of the country's lacking in magnesium. Magnesium citrate is something good to take beforehand, but don't have a lot of it because it can have a laxative effect. You know, so all those things can really help, but the environment is number one. Try to take care of those things first without trying to pop a pill because there's probably a reason why you're not sleeping. So address that first if you did everything that I wrote in this book and then you're like, then maybe you go to the supplement section. I also loved your card trick. Uh, talk, talk to me about playing cards with family and friends and why that can have benefits. Yeah. So one thing is to your point with, with your workout classes, those meaningful relationships and playing cards is, you know, well, you got to think. So thinking is a good thing. You know, you don't lose it, you lose it literally as we get older. So if you're playing cards, you know, with friends, I actually don't like cards, maybe because I'm just not good at them, but it challenges me. But then you, what you don't realize is you're connecting with your loved ones. And that is literally helping your brain and reducing risks of Alzheimer's, dementia, and all this cognitive decline and try to play something that you haven't played before. If you always play blackjack, maybe try to learn how to play poker you know, or Uno, something like that. And, you know, we'll make up games with my son. My son also um, does like 100-piece puzzles, and he's gotten so good at them. My father-in-law will flip them upside down so he doesn't see, and he's doing them by shapes. So not only is that helping my son, it's helping my father-in-law, who's in his early 70s now. You don't realize the activity for the body and the brain that's really doing that. So if you have grandparents or anything like that, that's really good. Try to get them to play games and not on a, on a screen as much as possible. I get it. Sometimes you just need to turn on YouTube and let your kids kind of veg out because you need to chill. Uh, I, I get that. But playing cards, playing games, all these different things are really helpful for the brain, but also you know just for your heart, for your soul to connect with individuals that you love. I'm going to play Uno upside down too. I love this idea. Ooh, <laughs> upside down. Um, yeah. I also like the section in your book about breath work. It's something that I'm not really good at. We did a little bit of the breathing techniques. Is there anything beyond that in terms of breath work that could be really helpful this time of year? Yeah, breath work is the best work. So there's something called, uh, we can do breath, and actually I think that's the, uh, the name of the section in there. Um, th we can do breath to calm ourselves down, whether it's the 478, the box breathing, the 444, the physiological side is kind of one of the best things that you can do. There's also something called bellows breath or like tumor breathing, which kind of Wim Hof or something like that, where if you want to wake yourself up and focus a little bit more, that's just like almost like hyperventilation breathing. So 
15 to 30 reps of that, whatever protocol you're looking at, and then just kind of hold that exhalation, that will wake you up. So if you're trying to use that for your sleep techniques, you're not having caffeine, which is not going to you know, block that adenosine receptors. But if you want to focus a little bit more at night or maybe before that card game, see how this is all working together here? You, you do those bellows breath kind of right beforehand, and that will have that deep focus, that intent in the card game or the conversation that you're having with a loved one. Because how many of us give so much energy to podcasts? to going on these shows, to writing books, to doing QVC, and our family gets the crap. So sometimes we're so tired and like we try to chug a uh, a coffee to wake up, but those bellows breaths can really help you just kind of focus a little bit more and and be more present. I love that. And so if we're feeling frazzled, frantic, and holidayed, it can be time, hard to make time for any of this kind of self-care. So how do we do that? How do we make the me time? Like what's the secret? Well, look at your day. I have something called the, the like a thought cycle. Have, like, look at it kind of like as a movie throughout your day. You're going through, and you're like, I wake up, I do this, blah blah blah. You go through, and where where was that that five minutes, that ten minutes, even that two minutes? I, I guarantee there's a time in the day where you can find time to yourself and just go to a corner and just focus on breathing. Do a plank, do some squats. It doesn't even need to be exercise. But taking that couple minutes, or beforehand, let's say you've got some you know in laws or relatives that you kind of fight with all the time. Go, you know, go sit in your room for a couple minutes, do some of this calming breath work and visualize how it's going to go. Here's what normally happens. Here's what triggers me, triggers the other individuals. Let's try to be aware of that. Or also tell your family and friends, hey, I'm stressed out today. I, t- I say this a lot when I just kind of feel depressed. You know, like sometimes I just find myself in a coffee shop crying, like what the hell happened? I've got all these amazing things happening. It just hits you. Say, hey, Jamie, Megan, like you're my, you're my friends. I don't feel good today. I'm in that place and I know there's all these amazing things. I don't need you to fix it, but I'm not feeling good. I feel like shit, the depressive, the suicidal thoughts are coming back up. I just want you to be aware of that. And I just want you to be there for me and that whatever you do, like it's not going to fix it and nothing that you, you did is causing that. But being aware of those moments and those hard times in life and telling the ones you love around you is going to make the difference, even if you can't find the moments to yourself in that day, because that's going to get you to connect with them more. And maybe they'll share with you too, kind of when they're having bad days as well. Powerful, powerful stuff. That's my entire reason for being is teaching people, specifically women, how to ask for help and to do just that because we're only as sick as our secrets. And so many people walk around with that feeling bottled up inside and they don't say anything because we want to look perfect. We don't want to burden anyone else. But, you know, sometimes I find that when I have people connect with one another, it's like you're actually giving that other person a chance to be a hero just by proxy of them listening to you and kind of showing up for you. And if you don't tell them, you're almost robbing them of an opportunity as your friend or family or loved one to kind of be that person, you know, and to feel good about themselves. Like I showed up for Megan today. I showed up for Joey. So, you know, great reminder for people just to kind of open, open their mouth and share what's going on. Joey, this has been one of my favorite episodes. I got to tell you, just you're so packed with good information. So I just really implore everyone listening to go out and buy Joey's book, The Minimum Method. It is so damn good and packed with good stuff. Joey, we always end the show with one section called Megan Murphy. Call So Megan always sings it. Heidi usually explains it, but I'll take it today. Heidi's our resident yogi, so she usually gets to explain it because karma, of course, it's uh, the Sanskrit word for action. So we always ask all of our guests, what is one action item you could give them that would be a small action they could take every day that would have a big result? Uh, small action. I think this is more a thought process. The point when you think you know everything, you know nothing. 
and think about that. We, we always have this confirmation bias in life and we see one study or one person did this and you're like, oh, they, we get frustrated if somebody is trying to say something that contradicts how we think, how we believe, what we feel. But have a little more grace and realize that you, you don't know everything and there's no way you can know everything. So lead with your heart, lead with love and think about more what we have in common as opposed to what we have different. Because if we started doing that more I, I think this world would be much better. And I do the same thing. I used to like just get upset with people and judge them right away. I think, okay, this person's yelling right now. They're, they're upset about their gym membership or whatever it is, but maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe their wife left them. Maybe their kid is in trouble at school. Okay, I've been there. Okay, so like just even, even if it's not true, just think about that. I used to lead with anger. And every now and then I still do. I have a, I have a short fuse like I was a hockey player. I got to punch people in the face. Um, you know, I just... Lead with love, lead with your heart, and you don't know anything if you think you know everything. Amen, my friend. What a great reminder, just a reminder to be kind. It's just like we're all out there struggling on the journey and just, you know, walk shoulder to shoulder with your fellow humans, right? Like that's the best you can do in any given day. Joey, we cannot thank you enough. Can you tell all of our listeners exactly where they can find you on the interwebs and where they can find your book? The interwebs. Uh, Joey Thurman Fit on all social media channels. So if you're going to troll, troll nicely. I answer every DM, assuming they're appropriate. Joey Thurman Fitness on YouTube. The minimum method, the least you can do to be a stronger, healthier, happier you. Available everywhere. Amazon is usually the easiest place. If you buy the hardcover, that helps me out the most. But Audible is also my lovely, soothing voice. Uh, CD, Kindle, everything like that. JoeyThurman.com if people still go to websites. So there you go. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you, everybody at home, for listening today. Hey, don't forget to follow us on the gram at Off the Gram Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the show anywhere podcasts can be consumed. We'll see you next time.